So we're going to take a little bit of a new direction in things. And by new, I mean very, very, very old. So we're going to talk this morning about the Bible. And uh, I was going to make some joke about how we're going to do that because we're Christians and we probably should. But, um, but actually this morning was such a good illustration of how the Word of God can bring life. Um, so much of worship came out of a passage of Scripture. So many of our songs are based on Scripture. We're actually often in worship actually singing theology. And theology comes actually from the Bible. And what I love about the Bible, it is Jesus from beginning to end. Um, literally like Genesis 1 verse 1 is in the beginning, it was the Word. And now the Word, capital W, is talking about Jesus. And we use that, you know, we use the Word of God almost synonymously in that the whole Bible, it points to the person of Jesus from beginning to end. And it is this beautiful beautiful book. But a few things about the Bible. It is the most popular book in the world. It's the most successful literary creation of all times. Every year, a hundred million Bibles are sold. Okay, that is outselling Harry Potter like several times over every year. Um, they've actually removed it from the best-selling book list because it just messes up the stats. If they publish it every year, like, it's the Bible again, you know, people would probably get quite irritated. So um, they've actually excluded from most bestseller lists. It's an incredible, it's a very controversial book. It is banned in many countries. In some countries, it's illegal to distribute it, to read from it, to have it. There are people who've given their lives to get the Bible into different countries. The guys who have smuggled them in, have snuck them in, have you know, broken the law, which in that case I'm a big fan of. Um, yeah, and, and people have literally died on pain of death to actually get this book out. And if it's that big and that important, you must sort of start to wonder why. Um, it's an incredible book. It is inspired by God. So Paul the Apostle, he says in 2 Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God. It is God breathed. Um, it's been written over about a 1,600-year span by about 40 different authors. It's a book made up of history, poetry, prophecy, promise, wisdom, letters. So it kind of takes a lot of different forms. And um, you kind of think, well, if it's written by all these different people over such a long time span, like what does that mean for us when you say it is written also by God. And a really great illustration, which I stole from someone else and I'm going to use, is that the Bible is 100% the work of human authors, but is it, it is 100% inspired by God. And so one of the great illustrations I found for this was there's a guy called Sir Christopher Wren. He was the most famous British architect, so totally not at all relevant to us in our context, but it makes a great story. Um, so he is the most famous British architect. And he actually built St. Paul's Cathedral, which is one of the big kind of cathedrals in the UK. And it took 36 years. And he built it. Everyone knows. He built it. He didn't touch a single brick. Didn't mix dagger. But he built it. So there were a whole bunch of artisans who put together that cathedral. There were guys doing plastering and painting and cutting glass and all sorts of work. But he was the inspiration behind it. He was the architect behind it. He decided on how it was going to be built, where every piece would go. And so we can kind of understand that quite easily in human terms. 
But that is our picture for God inspiring the Bible, even as he worked through men who wrote it. Um, it is the primary way in which God communicates with us. So it is literally the revelation of God. It points to Jesus. It shows us what his nature is like, what his character is like. Uh, through the Bible, God has spoken. He still speaks through it. Even this morning, we're using scripture written many hundreds of years ago that are still living. So when we talk about the living word, that, that is it. There were words on a page that God wrote and God inspired, and we used them this morning, and it brought life. Okay. So one important thing to know about the Bible, so John 5, verse 39 to 40 um, your relationship with God is, is two components. There is God, there is the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but there is the Word as well. It is very hard to know God without the Word. It is very pointless to read the Word without knowing God. So a good little illustration for this, we found this out when Jet was super sick and in hospital. Two very important components that keep you alive are heart and lungs. So they work together, they interact on a very complicated, dynamic level, but the word, as in small w written scripture, and the word, big W, Jesus, they are your heart and lungs. It is no point getting lots of oxygen if you can't get that oxygen to all the parts of your body. It's not going to bring you life if you just get it in. It needs to circulate and move and kind of transform you, and that is kind of the word, small w, and the word, big w, working together to reveal this person of Jesus to us and bring us to life. And what I love is in John 5, 39 to 40, it says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that by them you possess eternal life. Some translations say you will be saved. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So the word is going to point you always to Jesus. But Jesus is the one who's going to actually bring us life. And so the whole purpose of this book is to bring us into relationship with God. Now that being said, it sounds great. It's unfortunately not that simple. Um, it's a very sometimes troubling book to read. I often read it. I'm like, man, what does this mean? There are conflicts in it. There's some stories that it seems to say opposite and different things. How do we process that? One of the important things to remember is always, if you have a relationship with Jesus and you read the word to find Jesus, show me where it is pointing to Jesus, it becomes a lot easier. So let me set this for you up front. You're going to find some things in the Bible that you have to wrestle with. There are some scriptures that seem to contradict each other. That is okay. The Bible is not wrong. It is God speaking, and it is his living word. And if you have that mindset when you're going of like, show me how this points to Jesus, it will. And the Holy Spirit is there. He is in you. He is able to help you to interpret and process this. And then there's often, like I do, I hit really tough things, and I go to Luke Halley, and I'm like, bro, what is going on here? Please tell me. And he, you know, we've got these incredibly gifted teachers who are able to also process the word, and they put it into a form that makes it kind of easier for guys like me, who maybe not as intelligent as others. So it is such a beautiful and powerful book, and it is the foundation on which 
Our faith is built. It is a weapon we can use. It is a shield we can use. Even this morning, these you know, words of accusation coming, and we can hold up the Bible, the Scripture, the living Word of God, and say, ah, this is what my Bible says. And I can rely on that as truth, as inspired by the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to do this morning is um, I'm going to read you guys a story, and then Ali is going to actually come up and share some stuff with us. And Ali initially wanted to, she had kind of some ideas and wanted me to share on it, but I've watched the Word transform her. I've watched her find Jesus and wrestle through scriptures and have seen incredible fruit and shaping and changing in her through doing this thing. So I was like, I don't actually want to talk about it. I'm going to let her share some cool stuff with us. Um, but first, I'm going to read you a story. This is a real true story. And uh, so I am going to read it from a book. So, um, Okay, so it says, I grew up in a good home on a farm in Zimbabwe, but my parents were not believers. They weren't even religious. The only time I ever heard the name of God or Jesus mentioned was as a profanity, so a swear word. And church was a place where you'd go for a wedding or a funeral. The first time I heard the story of how Jesus was born was when I went to boarding school at the age of seven. This wasn't a very encouraging start to get me saved, so God had to get creative. From my earliest years, I loved words. As soon as I could read, I was in love with books. I ate them the way you eat ice cream. As a teenager, I became a poetry nerd and was thought a little bit weird by my friends. When I was 17, someone gave us a box of books and some Farmer's Weekly magazines. So back in the day, before we had podcasts, and you used to have to buy a magazine, which would tell you what was going on in the world. And there was this magazine called Farmer's Weekly. They would kind of publish it. It was kind of the U magazine, but like for farmers. They'd have like farming implements and whatever's kind of going on in the farming world. And... Um, so they didn't have a, so, yeah, when I was 17, someone gave us a box of books and some Farmer's Weekly magazines. We were always looking for something new to read on the farm, but we didn't have a library within reach. And I started reading one of the Farmer's Weeklies. Halfway through, there was an article on growing grapevines. The article was decorated with a photograph of vine leaves and some words. They weren't ordinary words because the article was about grapes. And the magazine used some words from the Bible, which were also about grapes. The people who made the magazine probably did not know how dangerous words from the Bible can be. They probably did not know that they are the living and powerful and are sharper than a two-edged sword. They just used them because they were looking for something to go with their photograph. I saw the reference below the photo, Song of Songs 2 verse 10 to 13, and I read the words aloud. And this is what it said. My beloved spoke, and he said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing of birds has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs, and the vines with a tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away with me. Those words pierced my heart. I did not understand them, but they aroused an inconsolable longing in my soul, and I thought, where did they come from? Why do they move me so? What is this song, this poem? Is there more? Where is the rest of it? I took the magazine to my dad, who, like me, was a bookworm. I thought if anyone knew the answer, it would be him. Ah, he said, the song of songs, it's from the Bible. 
There was a very old Bible in the box with a cracked and carved leather cover and very tiny writing. We looked up the Song of Songs together and I read it. I did not understand what happened to me at the time. I did not know that there was a Holy Spirit. I did not know that he had a sword, which is the word of God. I did not know that the sword had pierced my heart. I bought a Bible and I began to read it. I started at the beginning, which is where you normally start, and I read it to the end like a story. I would rush home from school to study and read until the bell rang for supper. I found Jesus in those pages. He was revealed to me, and alone in my room with his word, I gave my life and my heart to him. It is said that God uses the foolish things to shame the wise. Who bought that this morning? Kev? He used my father, a wonderful father who I loved with all my heart, to reveal to me the father heart of God. He used a man who doesn't believe or read the Bible to point the way to the words which were none other than the voice of God, calling to my heart, come away with me. The winter is over, it is spring, and now everything is new. You're my love. I've come to find you. Come away with me. And that's how I got saved, through a Farmer's Weekly and the Word of God, all alone in my study at boarding school, except for the Holy Spirit and his sword. That's how my mom got saved. That is how my mom got saved. Reading the Word of God. No one else, no family, no church, no just the word of God and through that I got saved my brother you know I'm walking now in the fruit of Farmer's Weekly magazine a few <laughs> passages taken from the word of God and like Song of Solomon's if you read it it's, it's quite weird it's like how did God through that get someone saved but that is the power of the word of God and it pointed her to the person, to the word, big W, the person of Jesus. So with that little picture of what it can look like, I'm going to hand you over to my beautiful wife. How do you follow that story? I was just about to set my timer because that's what all the cool kids do, but Adam said don't do it. Um, wow, Jesus, thank you for your word. I've heard that story lots of times, but phew, phew, it's just so beautiful, God. Thank you for calling us and speaking to us through your word. Um, so Adam actually uh, said a lot of what I was going to say. <laughs> um, I just wanted to start with, what is the Bible? Like, throw out an idea. What is the Bible? He gave you some of the answers. Anything? The Word of God? The truth? Okay, we get the idea that it's important, right? Um, there's that cheesy saying, it's his story. You know, it's history, but it's his story. Have you heard that? <laughs> hey? It's helpful. It's living and active. It says we must be doers of the Word. Then we think, how do we do the word if we don't know the word? You listen to preachers, you're in the prayer meeting, you're in worship, people are bringing scriptures, they're telling Bible stories. So there's a, a feeling in us that this is important. But then we sit down in our bedroom 
and we open the Bible and we think, what is going on? Who are these people? <laughs> Maybe that's how I sometimes feel that way. And I've known God for a long time, so I've been privileged to learn and to sit under teachers and to be pointed in the right direction, but maybe not all of us have that story. Um, so it can be maybe a bit intimidating or a bit like, God, I want to know you. I want to know what's important, but I'm like, what is lamentations? <laughs> Does anyone relate to feeling that way? Yeah, thank you. So I wanted to talk a bit this morning about how the Bible fits together. What is the story of the Bible? This is going to be a very, very broad strokes overview because obviously it's quite a detailed story. Um, can I get a tissue? Sorry, I was crying now. My nose is running. So let's compare the Bible to reading a novel. So you get a book, you sit down, <laughs> and you start at the beginning, and you read. Okay, chapter one, page one, the beginning of the story, and you're reading. And then you get to the middle, and then you get to the end. And you know what's going on. Harry Potter, hey, who's talking about that? <clears throat> uh, so a novel has a storyline, and it's generally clear from beginning to end, what's going on. It's like linear, straightforward, okay? So the Bible doesn't always feel that way, but it is telling a story. It is one story written over many years by different people pointing to Jesus. Is this echoing or is this just what it feels like to talk on a mic? Okay. <laughs> so this is the broad overview. You got your listening ears, okay. It's a bit of school. I'm a homeschool, was a homeschool mom, you see. So it starts with creation of the world. It starts with the creation of mankind. It talks about how sin enters the world, how we fall away from our relationship with God. It talks about how the world becomes more and more wicked, increasingly evil. And then there's lots of things that happen and stories, but eventually it goes on to tell the story of one nation, the nation of Israel. So it starts with all of mankind, and then it narrows down through Abraham to tell the story of one group of people, the people of Israel. So when you're reading the Bible and you start reading about the Israelites, places like Jerusalem, that's because the story is about the nation of Israel. And the reason for this is because God has chosen these people to be in a special relationship with him. Um, he will be their God and they will be his people. They're going to paint a picture to the world of what it means to be in a relationship with God. So he's going to give them laws. He's going to give them co moral codes to live by. He's going to give them ways to worship him, ways to come to him with sacrifices through priests for forgiveness of sin and atonement for sin. Um, and as a nation, they're going to be set-apart people. When the rest of the world looks at them, the idea is they're going to see people who walk with a living God. Okay, everybody with me. Obviously, they don't do very well at following the, rule, the laws of God, I don't say rules, but the ways that God has set out for them to live. And it becomes clear very quickly that this plan is not going to 
be able to last forever. And that's when Jesus comes into the picture. Jesus is born of that tribe of Israel. So then the Bible story goes on and it talks about Jesus, Jesus' birth, how he lived a perfect life, how he walked with the Holy Spirit, how he died to be the ultimate perfect sacrifice so that we could get forgiveness for our sins and then live in a relationship with God. So that's how the story continues. Then... So the New Testament is when Jesus comes. Then we, we get to the early church. What did the church look like? So Jesus has gone back to heaven. Now the part of the story is the beginning of the church on earth. Then we get a whole section of the Bible, the letters, letters written to the churches, information about doctrine, what Jesus did, or um, instruction, how the church should look or how it should operate or correction. And then the Bible wraps up in Revelation with a vision that God's given to um, one of the apostles, John, about how it's all going to end. So it hasn't happened yet. So that's what's to come. Cool. So does that make sense? So that's the story of the Bible. That's just a very big, broad, when you open your Bible and it's talking about Israel, that's why. Okay. So the Bible, like Adam mentioned, is made up of books. So it's 66 books. So it's not 66 chapters of one book. It's different books. And that's why it doesn't always feel like you end here and then you turn the page and now it's, it's not carrying on from what I, just, what I was just reading. Um, a great example, season two, yeah. A great example of that is in the New Testament, the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell the story of Jesus. So you read Matthew, Jesus is born, he lives, he dies, raises, raises again, rises again, and ascends to heaven. Okay, Matthew, Mark, Jesus is getting baptized. But he just, did he come back? What happened? That's because those four books are actually telling the same story, just written by a different person. And some things are maybe, the details are a little bit different because if four of you are listening to me now, you might pick up a different thing that I said, or maybe one of you were with me when I went to the kitchen and someone else wasn't, so you saw something different. So that's, for example, like why there's four versions of the same story. Um, another example that I wanted to use, because we've got so many rappers here, um, <laughs> or musicians, should I say, <laughs> is you live your life, okay? You go through a breakup, you write a song, you get a promotion. I don't know why people write songs, you write another song. Uh, your, your movie premieres at the cinema, you write a song. Eventually, you've got a lot of songs, and you make an album, Okay, so if someone listens to that album, it's going to be a collection of all the songs together, but they were written at different parts of your life. And for me, that's kind of what psalms, the psalms are like. It's all different. It's a collection of songs and hymns written at different parts of the story of the Bible. And it's not clear for all of them, but for some of the psalms, you can actually go back. Oh, wow, this was written when this person's child died, or this was written when he was running away from King Saul, if David wrote it, and it makes it, wow, it's fitting together, it's coming alive, but the way the Bible 
um, puts it together is all in one book, the Psalms, one album. So it's not put in the exact chronological or linear order, and maybe that can be a bit confusing sometimes, but that's what's happening. Um, and then we go, so does that make sense? Cool. Thank you. <laughs> I'm nervous, guys. Then, um, so then you get, let's uh, go back to the New Testament. So I was talking about the Gospels. Then you get letters to the churches. And you're thinking, well, that was a long time ago. How is that relevant to me? When I read Corinthians, what does that mean to me? So I just gave you a broad overview of the Bible, and I just want to end with talking about how does that, like Adam was saying, how do I put the Holy Spirit, what I read, and it's living today, and how does it matter to me today? So... Um, Here's an example. So you're staying at someone's house, your aunt's house, okay? You go in the kitchen and on the table is a letter. It says, Dear son, don't you know that the penalty for murder is many years in jail? And it was having anger and bitterness in your heart that led to murderous thoughts and jail time. I'm so sad that this has happened, but I love you and I'm waiting for you. Love your mom. Okay, a very simple letter, I don't know. <laughs> But you see this letter, and you know that your brother is not in jail, so it's not written from your mom. It says, love your mom, but you know it's not my brother in jail. And then you think, oh, yeah, I'm in my aunt's house. My aunt wrote this letter, and she wrote it to her son, who is in jail. So context helps us to understand God's word, why it was written, who it was for, the time they were living in, it's not the most important thing, so don't let it put you off God's word because you won't maybe always have time to go and see because God speaks through his word in different ways, and that's what I'm going to explain now. Okay, so you get this letter. Then you realize, okay, it's my aunt wrote this. From the letter, you can learn something, just information. You can learn that if you murder someone and you get caught, you'll go to jail. Okay, so that's information that you learn just from reading it straightforward. Then you can learn about the mom, something about who she is. She loves her son. She's sad that this happened. She's wise. She's kind. She's waiting for him. And when we read God's word, we read it because we want to learn about Jesus, God. And so it may be a story that seems like David and Goliath. Why am I reading this? What are you showing me, God, when I read this? Who are you? How is this pointing me towards you? And then the aunt walks in the room, and she sees you sneaking, reading her letter. <laughs> and she says, you know what? I wrote to my son that if you have anger and bitterness in your heart, it can lead you to be murderous. And I want to tell you, talking to you now, I was reading the letter, that I know you've gone through a hard time. Bad things have happened to you. Don't let anger and bitterness take root in your heart. So now that's the illustration. The Holy Spirit takes things in the Word, makes them alive to us, to our circumstances, to where we're at. So the Bible works on lots of levels. So there's the context. There's sometimes we just read it and we understand the story and we know who it's written to and why. Sometimes we learn about the author, God, 
not necessarily the person. Sometimes we just learn facts, information, how the church should look, what should happen, because there's some things it's just information for us. And then sometimes, in the sweet times with God, he makes it alive and applies it to us. So I just want to end with a testimony of this happening in my life, um, about when God made the word alive to me. And in those moments, when God makes the word alive to you, then you don't necessarily go to the next person and say, that scripture applies to you. Because that's not how it works. Because you're taking it out of the context, but God can speak to you through that specific thing. Does that make sense? Okay, here's my testimony, guys. So when Jet was nine months old, he was going to have his open heart surgery. It was scheduled, 2nd of March. And the week before, and it was quite a high risk, the doctor says, quite a high risk surgery. So the week before, I'm like, okay, I've got to kick it into gear now. How do I pray my child through this? How do I partner with God in faith and make sure that I've done everything in my power to say, God, please, we believe you for his healing, for his life. So I go to the Bible, okay. And I don't remember if it was just the reading I was doing or if I specifically looked up something about prayer, but I read this in James. Um, It's James 5. It says, Are any among you suffering? They should keep praying about it. And those who have a reason to be thankful should continually sing praises to the Lord. Are any of you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And their prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make them well. And anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Confess your sins and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. So now my ears are, I'm like, okay. Elijah was a human, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then he prayed for rain, and down it poured. The grass turned green, and the crops began to grow again. Okay, so I read that. We've already anointed Jed with oil at this stage, so I was like, okay, we've done that. But I'm like, God, how should I pray for Jed? Should I fast? Should I just fast for a week or two weeks? Or what do you, how can I partner with you, God? And then I read the story about Elijah, and I was like, okay. Let me, I know Elijah, he's a guy from the Old Testament, from the history of Israel. And the New Testament is pointing us back there. So let me go see what happened, what was his story. And you can put it up, but I'm just going to, it's quite long, so I'm just going to skip around. So keep in mind, the question in my head is, should I fast and pray for Jet? <clears throat> so this is the story in Kings. Um, now Elijah was told by King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide uh, by Kerith Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So I was like, hmm, food. Interesting. (laughs) That's like my brain starting to wonder, okay. Then it goes on, um, and then Elijah, I think I have the page, yeah. Then Elijah goes to live with a widow 
and uh, I think it's verse 12. So this happens, so he's eating the ravens, the birds are literally bringing him food to eat, and he's drinking from the river. Verse 12, um, he goes to ask a widow if she could give him something to eat. And now I was thinking, okay, now the story's going to start changing. So the widow says, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread. Uh, sorry, comma, it's verse 12. And I have only a handful of flour in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and cook that last meal. But bake me a little loaf of bread first. Afterward, there will be enough food for you and your son. For this is what the Lord says. There will always be plenty of flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So um, I read that and I was like, God, I believe you're speaking to me through this. And what I felt God say is actually don't fast, celebrate. There's more than enough. And Jethro's name actually means abundance. And so instead of fasting um, and praying for him, we had a party and we celebrated his life and we did pray, but we did it with a spirit of thanksgiving and gratefulness and awe and praise. And so this is an example of how God spoke to me. But I won't go to you and say, you must only pray like this. Because it's what God said to me when I came to his word with faith and trusted his Holy Spirit to speak to me. Um, and then just on that, when I felt God say this, obviously I didn't want to fast, right? That's not the funnest thing to do. So I, I contacted two ladies who I really trust in God. And I said, this is what I think God is saying. Does it resonate with you? Does it sound like this is God speaking? And they both confirmed, yes, we feel like that's what God's saying for you. So that's how we get um, to hear God's voice for us. And there's also safety because we can take it to people that we trust. This is what I feel like God is saying to me. Does it resonate with you? And that's how our relationship with God, using the word, spending time in the word, works itself out. And just to finish, not every time I come to God do I have this kind of meeting time with him. Sometimes I read the word and I just read it. And it feels like, God? But it's alive and it's storing up in my heart. And I know God is going to use it to change me. Even if I never can draw the clear line between I read that and this is what happened. It's changing me. And also, like when Milani was here and we were doing the prophetic stuff, how cool is it when God is bringing alive the words? Like when he says he drops in your head, David, for someone. And you know, oh, I know the story of David. Cool. Like, God, what are you saying? And it's those kind of storehouses that we can build into ourselves when we spend time in the Word. So good. Yeah, so how do we do this? Where do we go from? What are we going to do from here? The answer is an app. Not even kidding. So um, I want to remind you guys when we, when we planted two of the things that, two of the prophetic words that were spoken over our congregation is that we would be a word-based people, that we would raise up amongst us some teachers of the word, 
solid guys and girls able to teach the word of God. Um, and the other is that he was here to redeem religion. And for some of us, I think the Bible maybe needs to be redeemed a little bit. You know, it is infallible. It is the word of God. There is nothing wrong with the Bible. Maybe just our hearts and how we relate to the Bible need to be redeemed a bit. And I feel like that is what God is doing. He is bringing to life old religion, even in this kiff, old, super, like, old school religious building, like the life of God is breaking out. And so what we're wanting to do is actually there is an incredible little app that we're going to download and we're going to work through it together. And what it is, is the children's Bible. And the reason we're going to use the children's Bible is that, guys, we've been working through this thing with our kids, and you see the Word of God come alive in their hearts, and it shapes and it changes them. And I was like, this is not just the kiddies' Bible. This is still the same Word of God. And so, yeah, we're wanting to, to run through it. Now, we could go and get like a super complicated, you know, hardcore, like in-depth study thing but that's just not what we're feeling to do it's it's you know like any exercise start small lift some smaller weights build some endurance start lifting some bigger weights build capacity start lifting bigger weights and so that is the one the one sort of thing behind it that we're wanting to do but also the bible can be quite intimidating it's this big sometimes quite hard to understand intimidating thing remove that factor and quite quickly i found this for me like the guy leading your congregation sits and reads the kids bible sometimes and i'm like jesus i actually never saw you in that light um and maybe it is a little bit of that same word that came through again this morning of god using the foolish things um you know so so this kids bible is still very much the word um i think it's going to maybe help us bypass some of the big you know even for me i'm like you get wrapped up in your you know big brain and Sometimes just the simple truths of the Bible are incredible. Um, I think it's going to, what we're really feeling this morning, and even Jess brought that word about us walking together as one people, like instead of one by one trying to file through this little gate, everyone reading their little Bible on their own, there's something I think God is going to break out as together we all entrench ourselves in the word, reading the same thing in the same Bible. As And I think there's something that, in that unity and momentum that God's going to actually bless and do something incredible in. So what we're wanting to do, we on Wednesday, when you're all in our Wi-Fi, um, 5G, how does the 5G dance go? Do you want to show us quick? Um, <laughs> okay, no, we'll leave you alone now, Andre. Um, okay, but we, we want to download this thing. What is amazing is you can also then download the stories. So you're welcome to come and dominate our data. Um, but what is going to be great is that it's actually a very, very cool, very simple way to just work through the Bible together. And what we're wanting to do in that is, is two things. As you work through it together, the Holy Spirit is in you, and He is going to highlight things to you as you read through it. And what we want to do is actually point you back to the Word, the real big paper Bible, um, you know, the one written for big people. But what is amazing is the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you because He's often done it with us as you're reading through it. You're like, let me actually go and read that again in the Word, like the full story. Um, and it's been so life-giving. There's been so much rad stuff that's just been 
highlighted in that. The other cool thing is if you're all reading the same thing and the same part of the Bible, the conversations you're going to have with each other, the things the Holy Spirit's going to highlight, like use that even. If you find something and you're like, what is this? What does it mean? Or you have a revelation to actually go and share it with each other and be like, man, I was reading actually this week and this is what I found. And so we're going to do this, guys. It's not going to be like we're not doing a full-on, you know, we're all reading like 50 chapters of the Bible a day. All right. It's going to be kind of bite-sized as we move through it. But one of the other big things that I feel like God is going to do in this is it is really helpful to have a structure and a framework. So Sunday mornings, 9 to 11, that time is blocked out. We have got a little bit of structure where you know, okay, cool. That time of the day, I'm going to be at church. Within that structure, we don't follow anything else. We let the Holy Spirit actually come and lead us and lead our meetings. And so this, even for us, is going to be a little scaffold that we use as we follow the Word of God. But man, we're looking for the life of God in it, for the Holy Spirit to speak and to break out and to reveal the stuff for us. And even as we go, so just heads up in terms of what's probably going to happen in preaching going forward is we're actually going to spend quite a lot of time breaking open some of these deeper concepts in the Bible, trying to just give you exposure to it, how it all fits together, take away some of the intimidation and give you understanding of it. But we are not doing six-month journey through the Bible with this set. Like, we're using this as a scaffold. But man, we're going to let the Holy Spirit still move. That is the life we found. I don't know if you guys have noticed the last few weeks, but we've been like, chuck the program. God, what are you doing? And God has rocked up and has done stuff. And so we are going to follow that. So are you guys amped? Okay, are we keen? Cool. Okay, so it's really, I feel like in God, this is going to be very cool. Um, I really want you to know, it's not like we're using the kiddies Bible because we don't think anyone's got it in them to read the real thing. Okay, it's just for us, it feels like this is a great way for us actually to together move forward, maintain unity, but in a way that's not intimidating, not overwhelming, not going to just suck up your entire week. Because as much as the Bible is beautiful and life-giving, and I love it, unfortunately, we can't just read it all day. Like, you know, so this just makes it accessible. All right, so we're going to do that this week in home group. So bring your phones. If you don't have a phone, chat to Salah. Um, <laughs> sorry, bro. <laughs> no, we love you, Salah. You've been forgiven. It's covered by the blood of Jesus. I just haven't forgotten. Um, cool. Okay. Um, all right, let's bring it back now sorry so yeah guys i think it's going to be cool i think it's going to be really good for us and i want to encourage you like if you find stuff in there that you don't understand and you will often find stuff that may even make you ask questions about god's character because there's some wild stuff in there that's okay come and talk to us there are often things i wrestle with in the word i'm like god i know you're good but yo, sometimes what i read i'm like Show me even your goodness in this. And when I don't, I go and ask people who do know. And it's, it's super helpful. Okay. So did you want to say something, though? Okay. Cool. All right. So can I close for us? Are there any questions on that? Okay. That's cool, eh? Guys, the Word of God is epic. It really 
is amazing. And I think for us, you know, one of the big reasons we're wanting to do this is that God has spoken so much promise over us. And there is so much potential in this room and so much even just life for us to find in God. And his word is our primary source. And I really feel like as we do this, as we start to fill ourselves with his word and grapple with it and become like, if you didn't know, we are actually a Bible-based church. Um, so it's a good thing for us even to start getting involved in this. And even as we were chatting at our little like leaders meeting the other night about this, it came up for all of us. We were actually so amped in ourselves even because it's like, yeah, even for me, I'm amped to have this journey with you guys. And just the Bible again in a way that's fresh and accessible and epic. Okay. Yeah. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for just your story um, and that it is still being written, Lord. Like the Bible might have been locked off, but Jesus, the story is ongoing. You are still relating to your people and loving us and speaking to us and sharing life and wisdom and truth and all these beautiful things with us through your word, which is alive and living and still sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. It is full of power and it is good for us. And thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you that you are still alive that you make your word come alive. And yeah, Lord, we just ask even as we do this thing and dig more into you and into your word, that you would just become so alive to us again, that you would reveal yourself to us in those pages, that we would find you in the book of Amos, Jesus, that we would find you in the gospels, that we would find you in the letters, that we would find you in the Psalms and in the poems and in the Proverbs and in the books of the law. Jesus, it is your story. Thank you for your story. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. Love you, Lord. Amen.